Welcome to Life-Giving Water Messages, where I expound upon the Word of God and, through the internet, deliver it to you. My name is Reverend Todd Laddick, and today I'm bringing you a message titled, Not a Myth, based off of 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. So, let's dive into the Word today. For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes, when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. We heard, we ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No. These prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. Amen. Putting our faith in Jesus also means listening to and believing the proclamations of the apostles, who were eyewitnesses to the life, miracles, and revelation of Jesus the Christ. When I was a youth pastor and still in seminary, I was asked by one of my youth, if I thought God was truly real or not. It turned out that he was reading the book The God Delusion by Dr. Richard, Haw uh, <laughs> Dr. Richard Dawkins, a, a uh, world-renowned atheist. As such, I invited him uh, to read The God Delusion with me and that we could discuss it together, as we did, and answer the questions honestly. So, uh, to the shock of some people, I held a one-on-one -on -one book study with him and followed that up with the book The Dawkins Delusion by Dawkins' own Oxford colleague and theologian Dr. Alistair McGrath, who I had the uh, pleasure of studying systematic theology, the, the textbook he wrote on it, which was a bit dense. But this book that he wrote was quite lively and quite entertaining and was only about a quarter of the length of Dawkins' book, but successfully showed how flawed his arguments were. Now, I did this because I remembered a passage from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, where Peter wrote, If someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. And so, I felt this was the perfect time to follow through on Peter's advice. And it turned out to be quite the fruitful Bible study, or book study, I should say, and I, I believe the youth got a lot out of it. Well, let me put it this way, anyway. He didn't end up losing his faith or refusing to come to church. It is easy for us to be skeptical of things that seem to be outside of what we know to be scientifically possible. But let me remind you that the word science, from the Latin word scientia, uh, which traditionally meant Latin, uh, knowledge in Latin, that's what the word science actually means. Any school of thought that led to knowledge was considered in the ancient world, and really should be in ours as well, as a school of scientia, or science. Thus philosophy was the academic study that led to the science or knowledge of wisdom. 
Psychology, which has its roots in philosophy, is the academic study that leads to the science or knowledge of the mind and of the psyche. Theology is the academic and religious study that leads to the science or knowledge of theos or God. So when we view real science, quote unquote, merely through the lens of the natural world, we are limiting the meaning of the word science, and our skepticism is misguided as a result of that. First of all, Peter is addressing a common argument against the Christian gospel from new and false teachers, teaching things that countered the gospel message. The main thing they were saying was that the apostolic proclamation of the, quote, power and coming, end quote, or, quote, coming in power, end quote, of Christ. Known in Greek as the parousia, uh, was basically, was based, uh, excuse me, the main thing that they were saying is that the parousia, which is the, the power and coming or coming in power of Christ, was based on clever stories. That's what they're saying. Or, as it is written in the NRSV, cleverly devised myths. So that's what these teachers are teaching, that the, the idea that Jesus is going to come again in power, uh, it, you know, the, which in Greek is known as the parousia, they're saying that that was based on clever stories or cleverly devised myths. Now, the term parousia in Greek originally meant a visit to a city from a god, a ruler, or an important person to dispense rewards or mete out judgment. So, uh, in Christianity, parousia became to re came to refer to the second coming of Jesus Christ to judge the living and the dead. So you can see how that word works with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Well, in passages such as Mark chapter 9 verse 1 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 51 through 52, the gospel message is that some will leave to see the return of Christ. For instance, as it was written in Mark chapter 9, verse 1, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God arrive in great power. Also in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 52, Paul writes, But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. As such, early Christians came to believe and were being taught that the apostles would be alive when Jesus came again to judge the living and the dead. Yet as time went on, and more and more of the apostles, including Paul, died, there were Christians who started to not only doubt that Jesus would return in power at all, let alone during the lifetime of the apostles. And so they began to teach that the apostolic proclamation was nothing more than clever stories or myths, arguing that those uh, things were metaphorical at best. Second Peter Chapter 1, verses 16 through 21, then, is addressing the critique and ultimately false teachings as they were leading other Christians astray. 
And to combat this line of argument, Peter does what is obvious. He immediately reminds his readers that he, James, and John were all there when they saw the transfer tra- when they saw Jesus transfigured. He wrote, "For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord. We saw his mad- majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father." The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. In other words, those apostles were physically there and are proclaiming what they saw with their own eyes and heard with their own ears. Therefore, the apostolic witness is the only truth that needs to be considered and listened to, as the false teachers were not there and only have worldly speculation to go on. Now, that's a pretty darn sensible argument right there. Well, we were there. We saw it. We heard it. They weren't. Finally, Peter lets his readers know that because of that experience on the Holy Mountain with Jesus, the apostles have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the Jewish prophets. In other words, these false teachers who are teaching that this is just myth or clever stories are also discounting what the prophets prophesied. So, The apostles were eyewitnesses to the fulfillment of prophecy proclaimed by God's prophets in the Old Testament. In in verses 20 through 21, Peter then wins the argument out by adding, Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Therefore, their witness in, in the scripture is God-inspired. How can that be wrong? Therefore, Peter teaches his readers that prophecy never comes out of the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative, let alone lofty speculation from people who were not eyewitnesses. You either believe the apostolic witness and join in with orthodox traditional Christianity throughout the centuries, throughout the two millennia, or you don't, and you're not truly Christian. That's it. Period. No ifs, ands, or buts. The apostolic witness and proclamation is to be believed because it is not a myth. It is for real. And Jesus will one day come again in glory. In fact, it is important to note that when the three apostles witnessed Jesus in his heavenly divine form on the day of the transfiguration, they also witnessed what he would look like on the day he ascended into heaven in front of all of his disciples. And all the disciples were witness of that. Have you ever found yourself skeptical of the things you learn at church or in the Bible? First, let me say that there is nothing wrong with healthy skepticism or doubt because those are signs that you have faith. You cannot have faith or believe without the existence of doubt. And your skepticism or doubts can actually grow your faith 
if you approach worship and the Bible with an open heart and an open mind. Second, there is nothing wrong with questions, and if you want a safe space to ask them besides meeting with me, which I am always available to do so, join our Bible studies and engage in learning the scripture in an intimate and supportive way, as well as engage in discussion, including asking questions. The only wrong question is the one not asked. How can we, as a church, become better witnesses to the apostolic proclamations about Jesus Christ our Lord? How can we be out in the community? Where in the community should we be? Perhaps volunteering at a... Uh, you know, a, a clothing ministry like our Treasures of Hope or or maybe volunteering at, at a place like Benny's Bodega or the, the Manor House, which is our local soup kitchen. How can we not only speak the gospel witness, but show it with our actions and our presence in the community? Friends, people will not just come to us for the sake of it. We have to go to them as Jesus and the apostles did, and show them how much we love them. Remember, it's not so much about religion, it's about relationships. And truthfully, there can be no religion without relationships. Relationships with, relationships with God, relationships with each other. So let us, as a church, begin to work on building relationships with people in our community and neighborhoods and inviting them to join us in being a part of what Christ is doing here in Newton and beyond. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we just thank you and praise you for this opportunity to be here today, to be uh, witness to your power in our lives, just as the disciples were witness to you and your power in their lives. Help us, Lord, to continue on the great tradition that you started so that we may be counted among your own and that we may enter into you with you excuse me into the joy of your kingdom we pray these things in jesus name amen and like that friends i want to thank you again for tuning in and, and listening uh i hope you got as much out of it as i did and uh i hope that you feel challenged by this because we are called to put our so to speak, money where our mouths are. You know, this isn't just about talking the talk, it's about walking the walk. And so uh, I hope that you get that out of this and I hope that uh, it inspires you to grow even closer to our Lord. Uh, with that said, uh, you can check out our episode notes. As you know, there are links in there to uh, help out with uh, giving. Uh, if you are able to give to my congregation, that'd be great. These messages are free, uh, but but uh, obviously ministry is not. And so if you can support uh, you know, my church, that'd be great. If you have a church of your own to support, great. If you can support both of us, even greater. Uh, so with that said, uh, remember that you are richly blessed so that you can be a blessing to others. Go in peace.